Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have a repeat guest. Alex is coming back to talk about his book that is coming out in six to eight weeks. It's going to be called The Secrets of Next Level Entrepreneurs. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, of course. And for you guys who are wondering, Alex was on episode 271, I believe. We'll link it down in the show notes if you want to go back and hear some of his answers to the usual questions. But for this, we're really going to focus on the book. So Alex, first, give us a refresher on kind of who you are, what you do, what you like to do for fun, and then we'll jump into the book. So let's start with the fun part. (laughs) When the weather permits, I ride motorcycles. That's what I try to do in my spare time. Um, But since I've been been a a dad of a toddler, um, let me put it that way, motorcycling is not my first priority right now. So I try to spend as much time with him, um, indoors, outdoors, whatever whatever possible. Um, What I do for a living is I help executive teams and CEOs um, by facilitating their strategy processes. So whenever you feel it's time to refresh our corporate strategy or business strategy, um, they bring me in. I facilitate the process. I'm not a typical consultant, so I don't come in with a lot of input that would be, for example, industry specific. What I do is I facilitate and moderate the process as such and um, obviously um, based on all that experience I write books as you already said Um, (laughs) I'm a keynote speaker as well and a board director gotcha 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 what does it take to be a board director like are you copying on a meeting like once a week with the board are you more involved in the day-to-day what does that look like I've always been so confused by it it's a term that is confusing to many. That's I, I give you that, absolutely. So it heavily depends on the type of business you're involved in and what the role of the board is. So there are um, especially smaller businesses that are not required by law to have a board of directors or an advisory board. Still, because they know that this can give them first a competitive edge through additional knowledge, access to funding, Better governance is something that banks really like to see. So they use a board as a means to broaden their horizon, their scope, their knowledge, their access to networks, to clients, et cetera, to technology. And um, depending on the role of a board, if it's an advisory board, it might meet two or three times a year only. Um, And the board directors give ad hoc on the spot advice and their opinion on certain topics. When we are talking about bigger businesses or companies that use a board of directors for more than just that, these boards typically meet more regularly. They um, are very well prepared, typically, these meetings. Um, Board directors also serve on committees, like finance committee, accounting committees, strategy committees, whatever it is that the business needs. And um, very often... Um, these roles, especially for bigger companies, um, 
they need quite some time. It's not that you just show up for four one hour meetings a year. Um, it's a it's a it's a proper commitment and it you have fiduciary duties as a board director. So you better make sure you know what you do. There we go. There we go. Well, on that note, let's go ahead and jump into the book, what it's about. But first, let's start with why you wrote this book specifically. That's a good question, actually. Um, it was not the first book I wrote, but it's the first book that will come to market. So the first book I wrote is the book that comes out in October this year, which is about strategy processes. It's at the intersection of leadership strategy and anything around um, what I call the nine elements of organizational identity. You would think that the first book you write would be the first book to come to market, but in this case, it, it was completely different. Um, when, when I had finished this first book, I already started to write the second book um, based on conversations that I had with um, two hands full of um, thought leaders. And I figured these, these conversations can be the jump off point for a book around the topics of hard skills that any business leader, leader needs at some point in their career. Um, that are not within their typical subject matter expertise around leadership and around culture creation and around the theme of self-care. So these three themes, at least in my experience, my own experience as an entrepreneur, um, but also in the experience of working with countless leaders across the world, at some point in their career, a business leader, an executive, an entrepreneur, they realize they need hard skills that they don't have for whichever reason. And that could be something simple, like you're a solopreneur, um, you realize you need better skills when it comes to writing marketing copy, for example, right? Very specific example here. Um, when we take a bigger business, it might be the realization that you have a cash flow issue or um, a profitability issue and you look into options to increase um, the profit that you make. And you realize all of a sudden, hmm, I really don't know much about pricing. I should learn about strategic pricing. And um, so this is, this is just one example. Strategic pricing is one of the three hard skills that we discuss in the book. I invited Herman Simon, who's the world's foremost expert on this topic, to contribute a chapter. And... Um, the second topic in this in this first theme is all around sustainability. Um, this is a term that has been around for quite some time, especially when it comes to environmental sustainability. Not many businesses use this for, for their advantage. They see it more like a threat or a cost issue rather than understanding the tremendous potential that lies in reshaping the way you operate into a more environmentally sustainable way um, and then using it to engage with a broader customer community and um, leveraging them as advocates for you. And of course, I mean, I wrote the book, I'm a strategy guy. I've seen it time and again, one of the hard skills that every business leader at some point in time really needs to embrace is how on earth do I create a business strategy? I'm not talking about a marketing plan or something like that. I'm talking about an overarching business strategy. Three simple questions. How do I want my business to look in three to five years? 
How do I track progress and how do I ruthlessly prioritize my resources to make that happen? And how, how do I actually create that? That's what we discuss in the first part of the book. I gotcha. I gotcha. So how do you want your business to look in three to five years? How do you track resource or track progress? And then how do you allocate resources ruthlessly? Exactly. Mm. So is this, are those questions good for business owners across the board? It seems like they would be from small business owner all the way to fortune 500 company, or is it specific for a niche kind of stage in business? The bigger your business is, the more complex the questions get. And mm -hmm. those three questions that you just mentioned, they are the perfect jump off point for, let's say a small business, solopreneurs, smaller businesses, for people that have never really exposed themselves um, in a strategic sense so that they might not have a business administration background, they never went to university to study anything around business. For anyone who has no background in business, asking yourself these three simple questions that you just mentioned, they are a starting point to dig into the topic of what is strategy, how does it work, and how can I use strategic frameworks to make my business future-proof? That's what this is all about. So the, understanding the difference between the tactics in your day-to-day and your overarching strategic decision-making framework. That's something that, that for me personally, it's the easiest way to get your head around the topic of strategy. How does what you do every day pay into your long-term vision? Mm, I gotcha. I gotcha. So let's um kind of back up on the book a little bit. The overarching like um, summary of the book, there's the first part, which is about um, it was strategic pricing, right? It was three hard skills, strategy, pricing, and sustainability. Gotcha. What would you say? Free hard skills? Three hard skills. Three That's hard skills. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. So three hard skills. And then it went to sustainability. That was the second part, correct? The second part of the book is all about leadership and culture creation. So when when we when you start reading the book, you realize these first three skills, they are very specific. They give you very specific advice on what you can do to start exploring these topics wherever you are with your business. So for example, um, when we talk about pricing, we talk about pricing for really big organizations, how they do it. And then we break it down into what you as a small business owner, for example, can do without spending money on it. It's just, you know, an attempt to breaking down bigger business terminology and approaches into something that works for every small business. The, the, the second theme is then different from the first theme in a way that it has the overarching theme of not of skills, but of leadership and culture. So when we talk about these topics, they are often referred to as soft skills or people skills, right? And um, that's what makes them very different from those first three themes, which are, have a lot to do with knowledge and, and being able to go or facilitate a process. The second topic about leadership and culture is way more people-centric. 
um, while the first topic, you can learn about a certain skill without involving anyone. But when it comes to leadership and culture creation, it inherently um, involves other people. And we explore the topic from various angles. For example, we talk about leading teams through times of disruption. Um, how do you lead a team in innovative ways? How do you help people find a culture that is impactful for them? How do you focus your leadership around the people that you lead, not necessarily around the profit that you want to create? And there are several really detailed approaches and um, perspectives that we provide in the book of how you can approach the topic of leadership and culture creation in a way that is in line with who you are and who you want to be and become as a, as a leader. Yeah, I think that's really interesting how you talked about focusing on the people and not the profit because I imagine for a lot of like higher level entrepreneurs, they kind of understand that it's the people that run the business. The people are like the true asset behind the business because without the people, nothing runs. But from the outside of business looking in, it can be kind of counterintuitive to think about people first and not profit. So for um, maybe some solopreneurs or some beginner entrepreneurs who are reading this book, who are having trouble with that kind of mindset shift, what would you say to them? I believe that businesses have a threefold responsibility. They have a responsibility toward the people that are in the business and that are impacted by what the business does, um, both up and downstream the supply chain. So anyone who delivers goods or services into your business, anyone who purchases your products, anyone who works with you, these human beings are people that want something out of what they do every day and for most of us it's not just money most of us it's we do what we do because we love it um and hopefully more and more people have the opportunity to do that um but the, there is another responsibility for us as, as corporate leaders and as entrepreneurs we need to make sure the business is profitable without profit we cannot reinvest into the business if we cannot reinvest into the business we lose traction in the market. That means we become obsolete at some point in time. So turning a profit is one of the foremost responsibilities of a business and therefore of business owners. So I don't think that we can just say either or. We need to understand that it's always these two things, people and profit. And then the third P that we, that we often add is planet, doing business in a sustainable way. And planet for me is more than just that marble that runs around the sun, it's um, environmental and social responsibility that comes with that. So how can you leverage your business as a force for good? So doing good, environmentally speaking, socially speaking, while doing well, meaning making a profit. Th that is what this book is all about. And at the same time, not forgetting what you need as a, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, in order to take care of yourself. That's the third theme of the book, where it's all about self-care, understanding how to lead a balanced life and not falling victim to the hustle culture and completely forgetting who you are, what you need, and creating that balance in your life that allows you to do business 
for the long term. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And is that like addressed in a third section of the book or is that exactly? Kind of, I gotcha. Yeah, that's the third theme of the book um, where we talk about topics like, like life balance, overcoming that outdated paradigm of work-life balance, because that inherently means that there is work and then there is life, which is nonsense, especially for entrepreneurs. Those things blend and we need to create just life balance because work is part of life. Um, we also talk about um, understanding who I am, what 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 I value, what and where it comes from. So talking about people that taught me things, how did these things come into my life? So it's it's all about understanding who I am as a whole person, as a full person, and creating full person self-awareness and deciding whether things should stay in my life or not, whether I'm giving enough attention to the things I truly value. And why on earth are there things in my life that I don't really care about? But for whichever reason, they made it into my life. Maybe because my family or my social group expects that I take care of these things. And allowing yourself to let go of what doesn't support who you want to become in life. Mm. Okay. So we got, we're addressing hard skills in the first section. Then you got really people and culture in that second section. And that third section is more addressing the individual kind of designing the life that best fits you so that you can run optimally in your life, in your business and become the leader you need to be. Beautifully captured. Yes. I gotcha. A lot of that included clarity. It seemed like in the first section with skills, it was really getting clear on business strategy, what you're going to track, what you want your business to look like. And then in the third section, there was also some clarity needed for what you want your life to look like, what balance looks like for your life, getting clear on the things you want in your life and things you don't want, and then letting go of those things. What are some of the things you suggest people do to start gaining clarity in their life when they're walking around, um, you know, kind of sleepwalking through life, or maybe mm -hmm. they've never really thought about it, or maybe something is scaring them from the clarity that they're seeking. So what would you say to that person? For me personally, um, life had these moments that you just described. I realized at some point in time that I was sleepwalking, uh, or at least that I was not living up to my potential, that I wasn't following my true passions, and that I didn't even allow myself to go near these things because I always felt I didn't have permission. So there is an element of self-empowerment that, that the book also brings in one of the chapters about mindset shifts, that we are ultimately responsible to allow ourselves to self-actualize, if that makes sense. So, no, we can't wait for someone to give us permission to do that. It is about us approaching life with a learner's mindset with just the the purity of a child's um, curiosity and allowing ourselves to embrace things as they come our way to explore them to experiment with them and i think if we give ourselves permission to be that learner to explore things that come into our life and with things i also mean people that come into our life rather than just saying 
oh no, that's not for me. Oh, oh, that's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I definitely need that. Allowing ourselves to really explore something and just be with something, with a topic, with an opportunity, with a person, um, that can be incredibly powerful because all of a sudden we realize all the potential that's around us. I, for example, had a hard time in my life to ask for help. I really wasn't good just asking for help. And once I did it, I realized, first of all, it doesn't make me look weak to ask for help. It actually means I know what I'm good at and what I need help with, and therefore allowing myself to grow even further. When it comes to a business, asking for help is just the most intelligent thing to do. Because how on earth do you think that you can do everything on your own. The biggest successes are not individual successes. They are team efforts. And the reason we have a team is because we realize we can't do everything on our own because we are not good at everything and we don't have enough time to do everything on our own. So we share responsibility, we share accountability. And if we allow ourselves to step into that thinking of, let's say abundance, that there is so much out there that we can tap into and allow ourselves to learn and grow. This is just the most beautiful thing um, that I explored in my life. It had nothing to do with business. It had nothing to do with uh, wanting to be a successful entrepreneur. It had simply to do with just allowing myself to smell the flowers around me and realizing all the potential and all the good that's happening around me while not closing your eyes and not seeing the bad things that happen, right? So, but, but in the end, allowing yourself to learn, to be curious, that is just the best thing in the world. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. And we're all kind of naturally like that. And we definitely were naturally like that before we got into the world and, you know, started getting punished for certain things, reinforced for other things, behavior was controlled. And so shedding some of those limiting beliefs, allowing yourself to be curious again, allowing yourself to dream again and pursue some of those passions and then ask for help while you pursue them. I agree. That's a really, I I have this theory. I'm not sure that people aren't clear on what they want. I think people oftentimes, I'd say 95% of the time, know what they want and are just too scared to admit it to themselves or go after it because of the punishment or the repercussions they might get. And it might be buried deep down. Like when you ask somebody on a surface level, they may not know, but I'm like, there have been some things that you've liked in your life that you may have abandoned or forgotten because it was 25 years ago but you have something we all do and i firmly believe that but um yeah i agree i agree life just puts one layer after the other above you um above your personality we 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 perform every day in order to avoid issues in order to in order not to run into fights in order to get through life with the least possible energy that's just human that's how we've built, that's how we survived for tens of thousands of years. But at some point in time, you realize it's not about hunting a mammoth anymore or collecting berries. It's really about allowing yourself to reach your full potential. And that is easiest when you do something you just vibe with, when you are working on something that gives you joy. And at some point in time, you might have taken a, a turn in your career that was motivated by status or money, not by the passion that fuels your fire. But the thing is, it's really never too late to adjust 
how you take decisions to go back to the last point in your life where you were in sync with who you are and what you want to do and start exploring from scratch and allowing yourself to go to these places. I often, I often tell myself if, if I hadn't gone into business, I would probably have become um, a history professor because the topic is so interesting for me. I really love it. I love reading about history. It was one of the main subjects when I, when I was in school that I, that I loved so much. But I'm not sure. At some point in time, I decided that it's really, really hard to make a living in that space. I know that it will always be a topic that I'm interested in, but I also know it wouldn't have been my dream career. And by allowing myself to explore the topic outside of my professional life, I still keep in touch with it. Mm-hmm. But there are people who, who regret every day that they didn't follow their passion. And they have built themselves golden cages. They might have kids in private school. They have medical bills to pay. They have high cost of living. And the job pays for those bills. And it's really easy to say you can go back um, to the last point where you felt good and then start over. Once you have a family that you're responsible for financially, for example, it's not that easy anymore. Yeah. But sometimes it's just hang tight and uh, the time will come. I mean, kids grow up. Bills are paid, and at some point in time, you hopefully get the chance to go back to what fuels your fire and where your passion lies. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Well, awesome. So now we've kind of talked people through clarity. They know how to like let go of those beliefs a little bit, allow themselves to dream, allow themselves to be curious, but now comes the work. You get clear, <laughs> and then you got to take that massive action, right? You know the strategy. You know the stuff you're tracking, you know where you want to be in five to 10 years, and you know what you like and what you don't like, and you already cut what you don't like out of your life, made room for what you like. Um, and you know what you want your team to look like. You know what you want the people in your company to look like, right? We got that clarity. When it comes to the disciplined and consistent execution of it all, what does some of the day-to-day work look like when you're building that team and building that culture? depending on where you are in your journey as an entrepreneur or a business leader, um, that can very much vary. Um, If you are in the very beginning, in the early stages of building a business, your focus will likely be on hiring the right people because that's the the most difficult part. Hiring decisions, poor hiring decisions can bring a business to their knees in their early stages because it's really expensive to hire people, to train them and to make sure they stay long enough to add value back into the business. So there your focus needs to be on hiring for um, cultural fit. And that does not mean you hire someone who is like you. That means you hire someone who brings something into the business that you need in terms of their um, attitude, in terms of their abilities, etc. But I honestly don't hire for skill. Skill is something you can teach and people need a chance. There are so many great people out there that don't bring, let's say, they don't take the last um, item on your wish list because they might not have studied the right subject matter. But that's not the point. Um, If people bring enough intellectual curiosity 
they can explore any topic. And for example, the, the one of the adjacent areas where I, where I operate in is leadership development. So a lot of work that I do with executive teams is at the intersection of strategy and leadership. I have never met anyone who is a professionally trained leadership developer because that does not exist. It's not a job that you can learn or study. It's something that you learn as you mature, as you grow into this part of the world and part of the job world. So it's all about giving people a chance to learn and to explore. If you are further down the road in your business, if your business is bigger, obviously you have different um, challenges when it comes to leadership and culture. Um, and, and some of these might have to do with, with um, policies. They might have to do with um, using your business and, and reshaping it um, in, the, in the context of creating a diverse and equitable workplace. So as you grow, your business has different opportunities and you, you can play a different role in the bigger sense of being a force for cultural change. So when you take a look at the, at the really big businesses like the tech multis and, and, and other industries, um, the big retailers, the cultural challenges that they have are completely different because they are basically a representation of humanity, at least in the countries where they operate. So a, a business that has 100,000 employees most likely has, an, has a representation of society as a whole. So all of a sudden, the cultural challenges that you're dealing with are very comparable to the cultural challenges that society as a whole is dealing with in a, in a specific country. And there, your challenges are obviously very different than if you hire the first two employees in your in your small startup. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. That's a really good uh, point. I didn't think about how much the behemoths like Google or Microsoft or Amazon are like representing the people, representing the culture, and like what they do will like make national news in a second because five hundred thousand people will tweet about it because they all saw it at their workplace or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, that is so that's so interesting. And I like the idea of hiring, right? Hiring for um, culture fit, not skills, because you can teach skills. Now, I guess here is a good question for a lot of smaller entrepreneurs. If they hire for culture and they get culture like dead on, and then it's like you can teach skills, but you don't have the skills to teach. What would you say to that entrepreneur? Like maybe they just, <laughs> they, they never got good at sales. They're like, I am a product guy and I learned how to run Facebook ads, but talking to people terrifies me, but I need to hire a salesperson, cannot teach them how to sell, need to also make sure they fit culture. I feel like that would be a harder hire. What would you say to that person? If you are a small business owner and you don't know how to sell, your <laughs> business will is dead in the water. Um, yeah. You, you didn't even have to start. Because um, you will never make enough money to afford that person that mm -hmm. will sell for you. And if that person leaves, again, your business is dead in the water. So learn how to sell. <laughs> there is just no way around. Let, let's be frank. Um, if you want to be a business leader, you have to build that business first. There is no leading without that business part. I mean, if you are, you don't necessarily have to be the best salesperson in the world, but you need to understand how selling works. 
-hmm. I always say you cannot outsource something that you do not understand. And hiring a salesperson without being able to sell, without knowing how selling works, basically means you have no concept of knowing whether this person is doing a good job or not. How would you even know that this person is doing a good job? Just by the business they take in? That's a pretty poor measure for um, assessing performance of someone purely on one metric. So <laughs> sorry, buddy, but there is no way around knowing how to sell if you're on a small business. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there you go. There you go. And that'll be part of the, uh, when you got that clarity for what you want your business to look like in three to five years, I'm sure it included revenue. <laughs> and because it included revenue, the back end of that is sales. And the KPIs is probably something around prospecting, meetings booked, and um prospects closed right so it's it's a smart decision for example when you start a smaller business or when you want to build a business and you know you are not good at something for example sales find people that built the business with you in the very first place mm -hmm. um build a founder team have people from the get-go that you can ask for advice um that can help you acquire certain skills if you know you're not good at something that is mission critical, it's just suicide to found a business and sink your money in it. Um, but the wisest people know what they're good at and they stick to their guns and continually learn. But from the very beginning, they hire or found businesses with people that are really, really good in those things where they aren't themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Um, I feel like I've kind of got clarity. You got massive action at that point. It's doing the massive action consistently. I guess um, the one thing I have heard from other entrepreneurs, honestly, namely Alex Hormozzi and Layla Hormozzi, they talk a lot about um, what got you from zero to one million isn't going to get you from one million to five million. And what gets you from one to five isn't going to get you to five to ten then 10 to 50, so on and so forth. Um, so for those entrepreneurs who are in that transition stage, they learned these skills, they adapted, and they hit their threshold based on their adaptation. Um, is it kind of a just start the process over, kind of regain that clarity and redesign that tracking and start taking that massive action again? Or is it more of a get a different mentor? What's their next step? I think we have to decide between tactical things and strategic things like getting a different mentor brings in new experience, new knowledge. That's totally fine, but that's a tactical approach. That's something that helps you to reach a certain goal. Um, that is not the strategy that you will take just mm. because you have a different mentor. doesn't help you to grow from one point to the next. Uh, there are typically a lot of different things at play. Gaining clarity means something else, depending on where you are in your entrepreneurial journey. And as the godfather of modern coaching, Marshall Goldsmith, um, once wrote, what got you here won't get you there. But once you are here, you will have certain experience that you can now build on. You have built a new jump off point, a new platform. Um, and that's basically what you need to ask yourself at every point as an entrepreneur is, what can I do today that yesterday was not possible? 
because I did not have that jump off point that I have now. So for me personally, very often, and, and I'm literally saying this like last week, I couldn't have done this because that wasn't in place. Now it is in place. Think again, allow yourself to think again, to challenge what yesterday or last week or last month you felt was impossible. Think again. So, and I, and I give you a very simple example. Um, the moment I had written my first book, I realized I can now call myself an author, even a published author, because a publishing house bought my manuscript. Huh, interesting. That allows me to do X, Y, and Z. That wouldn't have been possible half a year ago. So it is really about understanding and, and as you said, achieving the clarity based on any given moment, based on where you are today. And just because you felt something wasn't possible last month does not mean it is impossible for infinity. Because you learn something, you achieve something, you constantly build. When you have a business, you constantly build. And with every new story that you complete, you have the opportunity to build on top of that new story. And um, that allows you to build your high rise. There we go. There we go. I love it. Build the platform based on the new experience you've gathered, which is really cool because there's also a piece of it where it's like, I know a lot of entrepreneurs will struggle with like contentment or gratitude or being in the moment. And building that new platform makes you take a second and be like, how far have I come? Yes, which I exactly. think is like, there's this book called The Gap in the Gain, maybe. Are you familiar with that book? Oh, it's by, oof, who is it by? I can't even remember. It's by the same people who wrote Who Not How, I think. Dan Sullivan? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but he talks about how a lot of entrepreneurs will live in the gap. A lot of people live in the gap of like what I'm missing. And that puts you into the game for a second. You can build your platform on that abundance we spoke about earlier, and it can launch you forward to the next stage. So I love it. Well, awesome. Alex, um, is there anything else you want to cover about the book? Any questions that I missed? Um, any points you want to talk a little bit more about? I think what we need to understand is when we, when we talk about these topics, we're really not talking about entrepreneurs only, even if that's the title. When I use the term entrepreneur, what I'm talking about is someone who has the ability to decide how to shape their area of responsibility. And that can be in a large business. There's often even the term intrapreneur um, in that context. When I, when, when I talk about secrets of next level entrepreneurs, I talk about the secrets that I collected from people that have achieved extraordinary success in their field. And these people can be entrepreneurs in the narrow sense of the word. These can be people that had multiple careers in their lives, um, from academia to entrepreneurship to the corporate world. And I'm, and I'm specifically also talking about people leaders somewhere in the middle of an organization of a bigger business. Um, we all can read these secrets of next level entrepreneurs and pick those topics that help us in the moment, put it back into the shelf. And in a year from now, it might be different topics that will help us. So I'm, I'm suggesting that this is a book that you will probably pick up multiple times throughout your life once the time is right and once you realize, hmm, 
it wasn't for me back then, but it is for me right now. And you revisit these topics as you grow and mature in your career. You're probably, maybe if you're young, you're not even a people leader right now. The topic of leadership and culture might not be a big topic for you at all. You're probably more interested in advancing your skills to build a basis for a career. So the first theme of the book is maybe something that is most relevant for you right now. But maybe you're somewhere in your career where you realize, I kind of lost my way. There's too much in my life that I don't need. Then the third chapter of the book is probably a good jump off point for you. So I think it's a book that that develops value for you as you as you go through life. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree with that mostly because you kind of talked about the three different stages of life, and I'd say that last stage specifically is kind of interwoven throughout life, like the regaining clarity of what you want your life to look like who you are and how you can bring that into the other areas of your life. So I love it, man. Thanks for coming on the show and thanks for sharing more about it. I appreciate it. Uh, no worry. It's always great to be here. Awesome. And where can people go? Cause it's not out yet. It's coming out in six to eight weeks. So how can they keep up with you? This will come out about five weeks, five to four to five weeks before it's out. So where can they go to be looking for it? So the book launch and the book launch party is on March 28th. So if you want to join us in celebrating the book, um, there, there will be a global launch party, a virtual launch party um, on March 28th. You can obviously sign up for free for the event and you can even download a free reading sample of the book already. The book is already available um, for pre-order everywhere where you can buy books. And all that information is on www.nextlevelbook.co. Awesome. That link will be down in the show notes for you guys. Make sure to check out that launch party on March 28th. Alex, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. And guys, thank you for listening. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.